Welcome to TMI, a podcast by Henry Ford Allegiance Health. Welcome back to the studio. It's Thank been, you. It's been a little while since you've been here. Um, what is our topic today, Jen? Today we're going to be talking about the opioid crisis um, that is affecting our nation. And I think we've got a lot of really good questions and just hopefully it will open up some conversation to kind of figure out what's going on and what can we do to make a difference. Yep. And living here in Jackson, Michigan, we kind of are... We see a lot of these kind of issues, um, and I'm not sure if it's more than other uh, communities around the country, but it definitely feels like it's becoming a real issue. Right. Yep. It's very prominent here. And I think it's really neat that our health system is kind of taking steps to be responsible and make sure that our community is moving in the right direction. Yep. So that's why we brought in kind of a leader in the topic, especially around here. Yeah. Dr. Corey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, now you've been involved in this kind of talking on these topics and thinking about these ideas for a while. What is your background and kind of what do you do in the health system? So I am a, an emergency physician by training. I uh, joined a health system here with uh, our independent group back in 2008 as the vice chair of the emergency department. And um, one of the things I started noticing probably in about 2005, 2006 was an uptake in patients who were just coming into emergency departments mm. asking for medications. And they would call ahead to see who's there oh, wow. because they knew who would give them medications and who wouldn't. Oh. And um, it was no different here. And uh, um, it was actually significantly worse, I would actually say. Mm -hmm. uh, the process was no different, but the amount was much, much higher than what I was used to. Right. And um, so uh, looking at the resources we had, we started tracking this and, and uh, started developing guidelines. And this is back, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and uh, just kind of took off from there, uh, working with our uh, behavioral health department. And uh, now, you know, 10, 11 years later, work with the hospital association, work within Henry Ford Health System, work at the state level, national level. And uh, I'm here as an expert. I would mm -hmm. never have guessed that 10, 11 years ago. Wow. Well, we're glad you're here because we have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I can help. But I mean, it, it, at the base of this is just common sense answer. Sure. Yeah. So we hear a lot about this in the news and from people that I know. Um, why is this actually a crisis or an epidemic, though? Well, um, the uptick in use and abuse uh, inappropriately has gone up significantly since uh, the push for, uh, you know, more pain control. And um, you're looking at uh, maybe 2012, 41 deaths a day to now over 115 deaths a day hmm. from an opiate overdose. And that would that would include uh, synthetic opiates, uh, pro prescription pills and heroin and whatever's mixed in with the heroin. And that's probably a, a underreported number because in, in some communities when they do autopsies and it's multi-drugs, they might not say it's heroin and they'll say it's hmm. multi-drugs. But that yeah. in and of itself, think about going from like, you know, uh, uh, 25 years ago to 10 deaths, 12 deaths a day to now well over 100. That's a very significant number. That really yeah. is. 
Um, so what's the difference between an opiate and an opioid? So opiates n- are naturally occurring substances. So um, it, they come from the poppy seed and okay. the opium plant, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, morphine is a naturally occurring substance. That's an opiate. Codeine is an opiate. Mm-hmm. Opioids are actually synthetic opiates. And that's really the difference between the two. And why is it called more of an opioid crisis? Oxycontin was the first medication that pushed it. That's synthetic. And then when you start seeing a rise in deaths from heroin, it's typically heroin that's laced with a synthetic uh, um, opioid, oh. um, okay. particularly fentanyl and carfentanil and some other ones. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But it, in, it, in layman's terms, it's really interchangeable. And what we're dealing with, it's one and the same. Right. Well, so what are some of the um, components that make this such an issue? Like, how did this get started? Like, was it I hear some people say it started because of over overprescription or an influx of drugs on the streets or things like that. What kind of are the factors that brought this about? Well, it's it, you can't blame any one thing. So it's really multifactorial, and it happened over probably a good 25-plus years. So we go back to the 90s. Uh, there were drug trials done and publications that said medications like OxyContin could be given for chronic pain safely with addiction rates or dependence rates of less than 1%. And these were published, but these were um, trials done by pharmaceutical companies and it's come out since then that they were really mm-hmm. not accurate. Actually, they the pharmaceutical company actually knew that that was not actually correct and did it anyways. Uh-huh. Um, profits soared. I mean, you had stories of uh, pharmaceutical reps who were pushing these medications, making uh, absurd amounts of money. Now, the doctors, in essence, were told, one, this is safe for your patients. Right. Two, um, you have the advent of the fifth vital sign, which is pain as a vital sign. I'm sorry, um, I do not like that concept. Pain is a symptom, and it's important to have pain because it tells you something is wrong. Mm-hmm. What we're not talking about is to have pain that's really high and not controllable, but you need to have a little bit of pain to heal. If you have no pain, and you have, let's say, a broken ankle, but zero pain, you're going to walk on it. It's not going to heal. That's that's really basic example, and that's how I like people to think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to have a little bit of pain. Um, but with pain as a vital sign to push to get to zero, um, that started it. Then uh, providers, whether physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, dentists, uh, vets, it, you go on down the list, you have this pressure uh, from the federal payers that say uh, you need to take care of their pain, right? And mm-hmm. the patient had a right to say if my pain was managed or not. And mm-hmm. then you you add in uh, reimbursement because of uh, HCAPs, a patient experience. Now, we're learning more and more. Was that necessarily bad? Probably not the right time to start it, but you were paid for basically doing this. And so when there's a lot of money tied to it, um, providers felt that they they had to give more medication. Hmm. And unfortunately, that became the trend. So we trained a lot of people who just trained like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it became convenient for them as well. Because if you don't think there's an addiction issue, why not give them a refill over the phone? Why not write for two months so they don't come back and they just right. take it as they need to? So, yeah. so that's a start there. And then we had a, a, a society that um, social media, so... Um, you add in social media, you add in the internet, the advent of internet at the same time, and people now post whether or not they liked someone on on media mm. and people read it. So that yeah. could damage your business. So there are a lot it was really multifactorial. Wow. 
So <clears throat> who is who's going to be at the <clears throat> highest risk for becoming addicted? I know my I recently got my wisdom teeth out and my dad made a comment that, hey, I saw something in the news that, you know, <laughs> people tend to that's kind of like the way that they start to become addicted is after a dental procedure <clears throat> or something. Is that the case or what? Where do you see that? Well, I, I'd like to before you. So there's a difference between dependence and uh -huh. addiction. OK, so if you. Um, the likelihood that if you get a prescription for seven to 10 days of an opiate, mm -hmm. there's a 20% chance that you will still be using an opiate a year from now. That is wow. not necessarily addiction. That is dependence on the medication. To give you an example, mm -hmm. if you have high blood pressure and you stop taking your, you have, you have dependence on the blood pressure medication. Yep. Same concept. Addiction is more, uh, um, more of an aberrant behavior. So somebody who would potentially uh, um, commit a crime to get access to the medication. So you would be getting it from uh, a not uh, reliable source. So you're not getting it from a physician. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You're getting it off the street. You might be uh, um, stealing to, to access money. Um, and th that's really the risk piece, right? And there are tools out there that tells you, that can tell you who's at higher risk. And, and typically speaking, anybody between the age of uh, 16 to 45, mm -hmm. past medical history of uh, prescription abuse, illicit drug abuse or alcohol abuse, plus family history with that same issue, uh, underlying uh, mental health condition, and if you're a female uh, adolescent or pre-adolescent sexual abuse, and those are the big risk factors okay. right there. Hmm. Wow. Man, this is, this is so interesting. And um, I mean, what, so should we be trying to help people who are dependent on these drugs? I mean, is that yeah, where you kind of start to combat this or? Well, I, I would say number one is how did we get here and how yeah. can we turn back that dial, right? And that's what we're doing now uh, within the health systems, the hospital association, and our state. Hmm. So we, we uh, put laws in place that actually will not perpetuate the problem moving forward. Okay. But the current, the current situation that we have and all these people who are dependent or in addiction um, on these uh, drugs at this point in time, that's a different solution. And I think we're all struggling in how to deal with it. And, and it ties directly into the um, uh, mental health crisis that we have in the United States mm -hmm. as well, because it's no different. Right. And most of them, uh, in, in most of these patients have an underlying issue like that. And it would be hard not to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I think when we try and help people, what are some of the signs that we can see? Because it's kind of a personal thing for people. Mm -hmm. What are some things that we can see? How? What are the best steps we can take to help someone who's dealing with this? I, I think number one, um, we I, I believe as a society we like to hide things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we, we have to be truthful and open. And um, for the same problem that we struggle with, you know, we have a higher rates of now suicide, depression, uh, bipolar, and, and you name it in the mental health side. Mm -hmm. It's a taboo thing. We don't want to talk about it. We shame it. A and we shame uh, um, addiction. And it's, it's, a, it's a disease. It's a chronic disease. And um, when you're dealing with a chronic disease, if you talk about it, and it becomes okay, you can control it. It's easier to control. Um, people are aware. Um, you know, you're not going to give somebody a, a 
large chocolate cake uh, and uh, a two liter of pop when they have diabetes, right? right. You're, you're yeah. going to think differently, mm-hmm. right? If you know that you're out with uh, uh, um, somebody who's a recovering alcoholic, you're not going to drink a bunch in front of them. You're right. just not going to do that. You're going to behave differently. And and this is no different. Um, so we need to be open. We need to be respectful because when you are open and respectful, um, they don't feel shame about their disease and they're much more open with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe one of the problems that you see are people hide it, hide it, hide it. And then mm-hmm. you start seeing warning signs. Yeah. Um, you know, they they are not doing their normal behaviors. They have all of a sudden all new set of friends. They're not talkative. They've, they've you know, as a family member, you'll watch a family uh, a member who's now just locked up in their room or out of the house consistently. You'll see changes okay. in behavior. Hmm. And, and that should cause concern. But that's typically a little farther down the line. Yeah. So wow. if someone is dealing with addiction and they are interested in getting help, what are some of the resources that we've got available in our community or just in general? Well, I, I, number one, you know, you could always come to the emergency department. Um, you can contact uh, uh, Lifeways um, mm-hmm. in town. You can contact Access, which is our uh, mental health uh, at Henry Ford Allegiance, and we can help guide you. We have the Addiction Recovery Center, mm-hmm. um, and then there are a lot of great people in this community who are doing work um, uh, there's a, a, a like New Visions Home, um, uh, which is right here downtown, where you can go in and have discussion people, um, and they will have uh, pe- people in recovery be your coach, and uh, that's a good place. Um, um, it, but that's really where the access issue is. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems is okay, we get somebody in rehab, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a three day, seven day, fourteen day, or you know, multi month rehab. The moment they get back into that. Um, uh, area where they're seeing the same people doing the same thing they mm-hmm. were before, they're much more likely to relapse. So right. you have to control the, the environment outside after they come out. Gotcha. And that's one of the struggles that we have. Sure. Yeah. You have to completely change things, how you live. Well, um, I, I did hear some stuff about um, the use of Narcan to help people if they're overdosing well, yeah yeah what what is that and how, i've heard mixed things about that well it's uh so narcan is a medication that we've been using for years uh to reverse uh accidental overdoses uh or real overdoses purposeful mm-hmm. overdoses and opiates and opioids um for as long as i've been practicing and and even beforehand uh, but now with what's going on, the mix is to actually get, put it out in the community. So mm-hmm. you have uh, first yeah. responders like uh, police officers and then yeah. our uh, paramedics and our EMS colleagues who are using them, our firefighters are using them, and it's saving lives. And mm-hmm. um, they save lives. I mean, that's what it does. It saves lives. But you need more and more when you're using a synthetic medication like a fentanyl or carfentanyl. Right. You need a lot more doses. But it's But it saves lives and gives people a second chance. And is that partly why overdoses have become so prevalent? Actually has nothing to do with it. And interestingly well, enough, no yeah. statistic has ever shown that. Um, it's it, people. There's a belief that if you uh, if if they have something that can reverse it, so they won't die, then they will t- then they will do it. The problem is they can't administer it themselves. Somebody else has to administer it. Right. right. That's so true. Um, I think I was talking about the synthetic opioids uh, that um, fentanyl and things like that mixed in now. Um, so it's great that we have Narcan and can help people when they 
desperately need it. What would the would the synthetics? I don't think the intent was to actually, um, uh, because people are getting Narcan. Let's give them synthetic. Oh, right. That was they, it. Was really the intriguing piece was and, and the, the mentality and the thought is of if you give them something, it gets them higher. Mm-hmm. then they'll come back for more. And that's really yeah. the precipice for that, right? So you mix yeah. in something that gets them even higher, but that makes it, because they, they bind to the molecule a little more difficult. Uh, oh. They're more difficult to release with uh, with an initial dose of Narcan, so you need significantly more. Okay. Wow. Okay. That, I was wondering why that was used more. Um, do you have any other questions, Jen? Well, I mean, I think we've covered quite a bit of it. I guess... I mean, I, th- I think that we have quite a bit that we can do as a community. I mean, you made some great points just about being open and just making sure that we're, we're talking about this and just being honest about, you know, and letting someone share their story. If they're struggling, then, I mean, is that kind of what you're meaning? Like where, so if I have a friend who's saying, mentioning things that kind of make me a little bit nervous, just let them talk, let them get it out and, and possibly refer them to someone who might be able to help a little bit further. Um, I, I agree with that 100%. It, it, to me, it's not just uh, uh, struggles with addiction in mm-hmm. that. It could be any disease. And, and the fact that we treat it differently, I mm-hmm. think, is our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would call addiction a chronic disease, and it's a lifelong struggle. Uh, as we know, alcoholism is a chronic disease. It's no different. I mean, the concept, it's still addiction to substance. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a risk factor. So it's a chronic disease, and we have to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, hypertension is a chronic disease. Diabetes is a chronic disease coronary artery disease a chronic disease mm-hmm. these are all chronic diseases and it's okay to talk about them yeah. and and we have to not uh, um we have to not in a way shame it right sure um like we do with uh, other mental health issues and, mm-hmm. and and brain related diseases so um the more we talk about things i think is the first step in the right direction and there are mm-hmm. tremendous resources in this community compared to other communities this size. I think uh, the people of Jackson are very lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, um, this health system has done a tremendous amount. And um, Henry Ford as a health system is also uh, taking the lead at the state level. And they're doing a great job. That's amazing. Yeah. And it just it's a different way of thinking about it. I mean, I've I've I'm just like you, like where I would just kind of assume like you just don't talk about it. It's a bad thing and we just we shame people and it's absolutely something that needs to change and I think this was pretty eye opening today to just get a different perspective. So Yeah. For um you know, I've met a, a lot of people who have uh, uh, suffered a this disease and, mm-hmm. and uh, known some that were dear to me that have passed away um, and, and from this disease. And what I find very interesting is, you know, people, people want to talk about and say, look, they're just they're going out and getting high. Once they get to a certain point, they're really just trying to get by because they don't right. want to go through withdrawal. And I, I think that's really lost on people because the majority of them, once they are really deep into this disease and really, really sick, they're just trying not to go through withdrawal and trying to get by. And interestingly, most of the overdoses, um, and a lot of overdoses happen when somebody comes out of uh, recovery and they haven't used it in a while, so their tolerance goes down. And mm. when they use, uh, they think they can take what they took before, and that's when the problems uh, of overdose happens. Wow. I have seen that. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being with us today. 
and we are so grateful for the things you're doing in our community mm-hmm. and leading this conversation and discussion on a national level and really bringing some wisdom to a topic that really needs to be talked about more. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, uh, I think the goal is to do what's best for our patients and our community. Absolutely. Great. And if you would like to hear more topics like this, um, you can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. Um, If you have ideas for topics you would like us to talk about, feel free to connect with us on Facebook and uh, we'll talk with you next time. Thanks a lot.